This is the Enneagram 8 Podcast, and we're here to take you inside the armor. How many times have you been in conversation with somebody and you're just jiving well, and they suddenly discover that you are an Enneagram 8 and they startle with surprise and say something like, what? I never would have guessed that. And you're left wondering what the heck they must think a type 8 is, because you're just being you. Well, this is the season where maybe we'll finally get to find out what is happening on that side of things. What are other types associating with being a type 8 that we obviously aren't relating to? Or what are they seeing about us that we are completely blind to? I just got a note this morning from a friend. She's a type 6. And she wrote, Joe, you are the warmest person I have ever met. I bet a lot of you have heard that before because I think it's quintessentially eight. I think we are a warm blanket that gets thrown around people's shoulders. I think that's going to come up a lot too in a lot of these interviews. All I know is this is going to be a really great opportunity to learn a lot about how maybe our perceptions of ourselves and relationships don't necessarily line up with how other types see us. There's a good chance that we are falling into one of two ditches. Either we're owning garbage that we really don't need to, we're assuming that we're causing more damage than we really are, or we're genuinely causing some hurt, some tension, some friction, and we're not aware of it. Here's to hoping that there's a lot of refreshing honesty in these interviews and that this is our chance to really, really learn what it means for type 8s to be in relationship. The very best and the very worst. Wow, it's been a long time. Season four. Yeah, thank you guys for being patient. We're really good at boundaries sometimes and we just need a break in the summer. We learned them in the last three years. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so what we posted three times all summer. <laughs> yeah. It. It's important and we hope you guys had an amazing summer. We did. We did. Yeah. yeah. Aaron was never home. Lots of traveling. No, that's my favorite way to be. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I was never home. You were I never did. home either. <laughs> Let's be honest. We couldn't even fit in a camping trip together. You were it's gone. True. It's true. So Aaron flew everywhere in airplanes and I just was in a tent. Paddled everywhere. Yeah, I paddled With everywhere. Your canoe and your that's tent. right. So here we are. We are finally getting to the season you've been asking for since we started this thing. Season four is eights in relationship with other numbers. (laughs) We are going to just start with what works, what doesn't, um, what we struggle with with each of the types in kind of a general way. And then we will start launching into our interviews with each of the types. So the nine types coast says a relationship with an eight offers mutual trust, respect, and protection. When less aware, eights can struggle to show anything other than their tough exterior, and they may speak declaratively rather than communicating as equals. Eights are tenderhearted and deeply loving in relationships, but few people get to see that side of them. That's fair. And then our own Krista Harden, who we interviewed before. She's Enneagram in marriage. Yeah. So she said that eights are passionate and protective. However, some may see the eights as too intense and competitive. So both of these bring up protection as a key thing we offer. And we found that we definitely agree with that. I think the types that love us most would say they feel safe with us. And that there's a sense of protection. Us having their back. protection. Yeah, we totally agree with that. I like that. Krista says passionate. I think I relate to that a lot. I I laugh definitely at us speaking declaratively (laughs) 
<laughs> for sure, because I am just thinking of our, our sixes, for example, or um, just types that really like us to be very, very clear. And we do overstate and we do come out basically speaking what we feel in the moment rather than what is. we're incredibly confident when we yes. speak it. Yeah, when we say it, we really mean it when we say it. So we're not lying deliberately. But in 30 seconds, you could change our minds and we yeah. might think something totally different. Yeah, when we come down off the passion, maybe we'd put it a little more mildly. <laughs> so that's true. And I was just saying there are some types where if you say something declaratively, they get caught up in it and they're nodding and they're going, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, the way you're stating it, it must be true. And then we assume that um, if they disagree, they'd question it. But because we're stating it so firmly, some types, they just go with it. And then they make us responsible later or resent the fact that they got scooped up in our passion in the moment when there was something inside them that would have questioned. But they don't question it. They They just let us do that without giving us any pushback. That's right. So again, it sounds like I'm saying it's all on them. It's not. I'm learning a lot about speaking with a little bit more nuance. Like today, I stated something very overblown. And then I was like, no, actually, that's not true. It's actually this. And so just trying to do that in the moment is uh, something that I've learned because of this journey we're on. Oh, yeah. I think it's like been very humbling. <laughs> do you ever preface yourself now when you're speaking? And I'll, a lot of the times I'll, I'll go to say something and then I'll stop and yeah. say, I'm going to say something, but I reserve every right to be wrong. <laughs> and then I give my statement of like, sure, assured, <laughs> like whatever it is in my confident way. And then I'm like, but I might be wrong. I know. Because <laughs> I would just, I think what I'm going to try with my family, because they know me so well, is I'll be like, okay, there's a story I'm going to tell. And I'm going to tell it my way first. Okay, here we go. Take one. And then I'm going to put all the exaggerations and all the overblown language and then I'll tell it and then I'll be like okay now I'm gonna tell it like Aiden I'm gonna tell it like my husband here we go and it'll be very dry and very factual and very boring and then I will be like which story is better <laughs> see I still win the eight still wins <laughs> so in our Enneagram eight community last week Joe put out a question to everybody saying in one word what do we as eights offer the rest of the Enneagram numbers. So what did you say, Joe? Yeah, this was interesting because I definitely knew we were all going to take a different angle. And I knew, this is a plug for tri-type first, I knew it would have to do with our tri-types. It does, yeah. It really does. So I immediately, my eight, four, seven self was like, I'm a shelter. I'm a haven. And I am. Yeah, I am. And you said, I think I said protection first at first, but you definitely, and then somebody said something about action. And I was like, Oh, that is a hundred percent me. I will take action every single time for anybody at any time. Mm -hmm. If you need action. So I think I actually offer action first. Totally. So just think about it. Like shelter is four and action is three. Yep. (laughs) There's a little bit more groundwork. There is for sure. We also definitely thought that this episode would serve as a check back point after we do all the interviews, because we thought it would be interesting for each of us to almost pre-wonder what each of the types is going to say about us. So what do we think they're going to say we offer them? And if they're honest, what are they going to say we do wrong or get wrong? So this is going to go on the records. Uh, Aaron and I are going to each say what we think they're going to say. And at the end of the season, we'll see if we were right. Check ourselves in front of all of you and see how wrong we actually were. Because totally. I have a feeling we're going to be humbled this season. But <laughs> Okay, Aaron, what do you think we offer ones? The need to not be perfect. And I said, we basically tell ones, give yourself a break. Don't but, be so yep. tough on yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself. 
What do we offer twos? I think we're one of the only numbers that are capable of meeting some of those needs of twos and doing it without them having to say it. Right. I mean, I wonder if that's because we pull into the two space a bit sometimes. Maybe we have a better gauge. I don't know. I think we give them permission to ask for what they want. Mm-hmm. It's not even permission. Like I actually challenge them yeah. to ask for what they want and to actually name it. Um, yeah, I just remember genuinely reflecting on a friendship I've had for a long time and going, I don't think I have ever heard her express a need. And mm-hmm. then going in there and saying, I really want to hear you express a need. And then just working on challenging her to do that. So what about um, threes. Yeah. What do you think? So I would tell my threes, stop apologizing, first of all. And then be unapologetically you. You are valuable without performing. Yes. <laughs> you yeah. don't need to be anything else but you and you're valuable the way you are. Yeah, agreed. Okay, what would you tell fours? Okay, if I'm being brutally honest, I'd say stop being so effing selfish. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's what I was waiting for. It sounds so mean. Well, me too. I would say toughen up and laugh instead of getting offended. It's okay to laugh at yourself. And I say it to the four part of me. Yeah. You know, like sometimes I'm like, ew, you're so I, I think it's so concerned with your own self. You're so interesting because you have the like four in your tri-type and you really love your four. Yeah. But at the same time, you really hate, hate your four. I hate it. You're like embarrassed it. by it I and you're totally repulsed am. by it and you're in love with it. Yes. It's like the weirdest four-ish thing. It's true. <laughs> it's true. The four in me is what gives me the space to have a dialogue to myself about myself. <laughs> Okay, so fives. What would you tell fives? Oh, be open and honest. The world won't take you down. I tell this to my daughter. Get out of your head, get into your body. Just get out of your head, which is so easy to say and almost impossible for them to do. But it's just definitely the thing that I challenge her on. Mm -hmm. Sixes? Okay, I think we offer sixes the push to learn how to make decisions and to stop the spin. So to actually catch them mid-spin and help them come down off the spin and actually say what they're thinking. I agree. Or stop the spin and recognize the world will not implode because you are not in control of that thing you need to be in control of. Yeah. It's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Take a deep breath. So sevens... I am always trying to get them to slow down and actually tell me what they're feeling. And they hate it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They 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 really, really hate slowing down. There's a huge fear in this this slowing down. Yeah. Yeah. Mine says pause. Count to 10. What are you feeling? (laughs) Nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah, I thought of you and I for sure when I thought about other eights. And that we, I think, are good at telling each other, like, you're, you're not as tough as you think you are. And that's okay. It's okay that you need to go weep in a corner for a minute Mm -hmm. or that you're having an absolutely traumatic experience and it's okay for you to feel that and be honest that it is just too hard for you. Yep. This thing is actually too hard for you and you feel like a little tiny child. Yep. I wrote you have deep feelings under all that armor and that's okay. Totally. Even if you don't know what they are. And then finally, nines, I think we definitely offer them. It's like we present to them their worth because they rarely see their worth. I'm always championing my own husband and just saying like, you are worthy. Stop dismissing yourself. I also think we offer them, if we're willing to pause and give them space for it, it's the what do you really want? What do you really think? And then wait it out because... Take some time. Takes Yeah, they don't know at the beginning, right? And they need time to... Mm -hmm kind of wade through both sides till they can find theirs yeah i would agree just like we need grace to be able to figure out what what we're feeling yeah 
they need the grace to figure out like mm-hmm. what is really their opinion on things and where they stand on things. For sure. Because they're busy standing in everyone else's shoes. Yeah. So we will see at the end of the season whether this gets echoed in a lot of our different interviews. Okay, so next we're going to go into where do we go wrong with each type, Joe? Where do we not go wrong with ones? <laughs> That's what I want to know. My sense from the ones in my life are that I am very comfortable pivoting and being open to multiple ways of getting somewhere or doing something or even believing being comfortable in the tension of this is true and this is true and this is true whereas the ones in my life really don't have space for that and so they see me as really is the word unsafe it's like unsteady because you're not you're not not anchored anchoring into one thing you're willing to unanchor and remove your anchor or and for them that's scary yep they definitely think I'm unmoored. I go wrong with ones because I just, I cannot follow a rule for the sake of following a rule. So it's kind of the same thing you were saying. But just because someone says you should or you have to do this does not make me fall in line. And if I disagree, I won't. That's mm-hmm. unsafe or unsteady for them, I think. With twos, I have gone wrong on occasion by assuming they're going to ask for what they want or for what they yes. need. And yes. I will give them all the space in the world, right? And because, they still don't do it. And they still don't. And then, you know, months can go by. And meanwhile, they'll be hurt and just sad that I haven't come and gotten them when I wasn't even aware there was. A yeah, I think about it like an eight, need. right? I yeah. definitely am like, well, if you want something, you're going to ask. And I just don't go get them the way I think. Do we they... ask? Do you tell people what you need? Yeah. Go, you go ask people and say, I, need I am this from the you? best at asking for things. When it's an emotional need, like if you are sitting in hurt, yeah. do you say to somebody, I need you to come get me? I have. You have. But yeah, do you do I it have. normally? Um, I'm trying to think if it's fair <laughs> for me to say that I'm just really good at that. I think I absorb and swallow a lot yes. so that I tell myself I don't need to yes. say it. I think that's pretty yes. accurate. To my closest people, I have, and it's not easy. It's uncomfortable. I don't love it. Like but you it, and I have done it with each other. Yes. And it's so important. And I can feel in the moment that something, it feels like something's cracking inside and we're growing. Like, yeah. like we're just growing <laughs> a little bit and it's so painful. But yeah, we've practiced with our closest people, I guess. But what I was trying to say in yeah. that is I don't think we do it a whole lot better with vulnerability. I think that's true. I think I am just so proud of myself for the few times I have done it that I'm telling myself the story. I'm awesome at it, but I'm not. I've just done it a few times. (laughs) That's so funny. All right. Where do we go wrong with threes? Threes. You have a three daughter, so. And a three sister. I forget that my threes in my life hold things, I say. And it's usually things that they hold like for themselves. So the things they're holding up as they're like, I want to say trophy things. (laughs) If I say anything that could be perceived as against that, they feel like slighted. And most of the time, I don't have any recollection of anything I've said. So I forget they hold on to things. External things. External things. None of that stuff sticks on me. Mm -hmm. Right? Like I do take pride in my home. Like I love going to other people's homes. I never feel in my head like I'm judging someone's home. Like I think everybody's unique in their own way. And I really don't care what your house looks like. I do care what mine looks like for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm proud of it. But I don't care if you come in and you're like, oh, your house is... It's come back to bite me in the ass where they hold on to something I've said and use it as a point to prove a point they're making to me that I didn't even know was a thing. (laughs) 
This one touched a nerve. (laughs) Said more about this one. For me, my threes, I think of all the types, they don't do well with my tough act. And I think I go wrong with them because they're so confident and seem to hold their own space. I mistake them for that eight-ish, you know, I can push on you and you'll think it's fun. You know, Oh it. my goodness, it goes wrong. Because that's what it is. When I push on them and it's, I think it's fun yeah. or silly or I'm being sarcastic yeah. and I hit the nerve. Mm-hmm. That's it. You nailed it. Fours, I mean, everything goes wrong with fours, right? <laughs> Don't we hurt fours constantly and Doesn't do all the things? Doesn't everyone hurt fours constantly? <laughs> no, I definitely am just not patient with fours because eights are fast moving so I feel a lot of the things fours feel but I do it all really fast whereas they'll just sit in it like they're sitting in a mud bath and they'll just play with the mud for a long time and I'm like just get out of the get out of the mud and get moving let's go actually this is a perfect example so we had Derek's mom's celebration of life at our house last week and my brother flew in from uh, Tennessee so they landed Friday and from the moment I saw him was like I can't believe we didn't bring our kids I can't believe we left our kids behind my poor son they they would kill us it was like I'm so sad my children aren't here and it went on for hours and I said at one point to him I'm like I was trying you know you need to you know be happy you've got 48 hours to yourselves trying to play the upbeat part and he looked at me and said can you just let me have this I know all the things I'll be fine I know they'll be fine all the things but I'm allowed to be sad for a few hours I was like all right not asking me to fix it he wants to sit in it he does it's like my worst nightmare but he that's his happy like he's okay there I don't have to fix it don't you think our internal dialogue with fours in a nutshell is get over it yes 100% (laughs) I'm impatient with what I perceive as their selfishness sure okay for fives okay so my issue with fives I just want to be honest and real and they don't hold that well. They need their to be what I'll call secretive. For them, it's reserved, like not giving up too much so that you can use it against them. So I make them uncomfortable because I ask of them that and I put all my stuff out there. I learned from my daughter that I go wrong by assuming what she's feeling because she has a wall in terms of her facial affect. I can't read her facial expression or what it is that's going on inside of her because I'm not an empath. So I always study people from the externals and I can't tell. And I assume that something's going on inside of her that is not going on. So I've done that wrong. And the other thing is that my spontaneity not only exhausts her, it's almost traumatizing. She was a kid that needed me to give her a lot of warning before we did something. And she really wanted weekly structure. I was never going to be able to do that. I remember trying and failing over and over and over again. And it's just one of those moments where you realize kind of sadly, I'm not going to be the best mom to this kid Yeah, ever. Um, in the way she needs. And that's just sad. And hopefully we're resilient enough. It'll be okay. Yeah. And it, and it is okay. She's 20 now. It's okay. But it was actually an insurmountable problem that we had. I couldn't be less able to be structured. And she's the opposite. Okay, sixes. Oh, man. We've talked about this before, but we're just not precise enough. I think it makes them (laughs) nervous. And it's not, it doesn't feel safe that we will speak based off feeling in the moment rather than speaking out the facts of a situation because they use the facts of reality to build for themselves a game plan. And to understand, yeah. Yeah. What's going on? This, yeah, this is a constant thing with my husband and I, and think, 
thank you, Enneagram, for having language that we both now understand that we can posit. But my husband will constantly dig into why do you feel those things? What is it about this that's making you feel this? And it's half the time I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. This is the way my body is feeling. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know yet. And when I do figure it out, I'll let you know. But thankfully, we know the pause now Mm -hmm. and we can. But yeah, it is it is an ongoing struggle for us. Yeah. I think some of my sixes wish wish I was more predictable too, but I but I'm not. <laughs> I'm like predictably unpredictable in how I'm gonna assess or react. Yeah, just like the steadiness is the flip side for me that I hated but now love and that I have access to. Sevens, it's emotional depth. I keep asking them for emotional depth that that they cannot provide, which is ironic considering I don't do emotional vulnerability, (laughs) but I have no problem asking it of others. Yeah, I think I'm a nightmare for sevens because I absolutely want to pin them down, tie them to a chair maybe, and make them talk about their feelings because I can only have so much fun in a superficial, yeah, without depth. There has to be depth, Yeah, that's right. So I will at some point just kind of snap (laughs) and I will start to demand more than they're ready to give and I have yet to succeed. They've all run away. Honestly, I don't have sevens left because I just couldn't do that for too long. So I seem to have them seasonally. We have a lot of fun and then they run away. I have one seven in my life who will go deep. It's taken 13 years Mm -hmm. and this is like the beginning of the season. The last year or two she's been and it's been painful. Right. And she had to realize that herself though. They're an independent number. So she didn't learn to do this. Her life was going to fall apart. Yep. My sevens haven't come to that realization. No, so. there almost has to be like a trauma, Yeah, but it's still a choice. Yeah. But yeah, it has to be their choice. Mm-hmm. It can't be us pushing it. The it more you work. push a seven, oh, yeah. the more they're like, F you. Like yeah. it's not, they are one of the most formidable numbers against us. They just will have none of it. So. And part of me is really envious of I the kinda seven. I kind of like it. I know. I know. I'm kind of like kind of untouchable. Yeah. And they yeah. just go do things all the time. Okay, Aaron and I, we learn this with each other. We assume that we're tough enough to kind of hack it out alone and we don't check in on each other the way we ought to. And so we give each other too much space at times and then quietly kind of wish that they had come and checked in or, you know, yeah, we've had to learn to like remember that underneath it all, we actually need to be checked in on and come and gotten. And nines, always, we mistake them for being weak. They are so not weak. I think for me, they look weak because they don't stand firm in something. They don't ever make their feeling, their thought firm till they're angry. And then when they're angry, they're, they can be very, very, very firm. But it's like it takes so long to get there and you don't actually really know what they think mm-hmm. till almost they blow up. I think that's true. I'm always looking inside of people to find the essence of who they are and nines mask it the best. Because they're kind of busy wearing other people's experience. And so it takes me a while to go, oh, there you are. Yes. There you are. And then when I find it, they're so awesome and so strong. But it takes me, I have to hunt it down a little and watch them long enough to figure it out. Yep. No, I think you hit that nail on the head on that one. It is very hard to get to the essence of the nine. And usually they are the most amazing people. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Okay, well, we'll see if we were right about that too. This is going to hinge on these types being honest with us when we interview them. I'm going to be very curious to see which <laughs> of them are really comfortable saying, yeah, you suck at this. And which of the types are really going to want to dance around it, soften it. Like um, there's a few types that, mm. so we'll see. I'm really, really hoping we create a space where they feel totally invited and comfortable being really, really honest because we'll get the most out of it if they are. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this season. I think totally. it's going to be it's going to stretch us a little bit, right? It's yeah, going to push us so. to think outside of the stereotypes that we've also given them, which is what we need to do because that's what we're asking everyone to do but this podcast. We're that's the whole reason we started it mm-hmm. is to give people a bit of a view into the real heart of AIDS, right? And if we're going to try to do that for others, we need to ho- hold space in yeah. the same way we're asking them to hold space for us. It's been 3 seasons of us speaking out what we know is true about us but this is the first season where other people from the outside are going to tell us how they perceive us that is a very different lens a very very different lens that's a little bit scary too because i feel like we're gonna have to swallow where we've been misreading people right just like we've asked people to do for us we make assumptions we really really do and so this is going to um, hopefully wipe away a lot of assumptions and give us a little more clarity into what's actually going on between us and a lot of types. Actually, I'm pretty excited for this season too, because I feel like we're living in a world right now that is us against them. And the whole world is pitted to be fighting someone on some side. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to be part of that anymore. I want to be part of a conversation that is about just loving each other and seeing where someone's sitting in where they're at and and getting into their lens and having compassion and just asking for the same back we don't have to agree on all the same topics in life but we can still be two humans on this earth with compassion for our own life experience versus their life experience and who they're created and built to be and why they operate the way they do and ask the same compassion for us Like we've been preaching on that for three seasons, but it was in an echo chamber. We were talking to each other about this ideal we have. This Mm -hmm. is going to be a season where we actually practice it because we're actually going to have these conversations and we're going to practice hearing, you know, you really missed me on that and you didn't quite get me right. And we're going to practice going, thank you so much for being willing Mm -hmm. to be honest and tell me that because I'm better off and we're better off if you do that. So it's going to be good. All right. Okay. Bye guys. See you soon. That's it for today. We hope by now you've realized there's a lot more going on under the surface and you'll continue to follow along as we take you inside the armor. (laughs) 